Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only Internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. Vincent Pedre. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Vincent Pedre is the medical director of Pedre Integrative Health and founder of Dr. Pedre Wellness and a functional medicine certified practitioner in private practice in New York City since 2004. He is a clinical instructor in medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, also certified in yoga and medical acupuncture. He believes the gut is the gateway towards excellent health. For this reason, he wrote the book, Happy Gut, the cleansing program to help you lose weight, gain energy, and eliminate pain, which helps people resolve their digestive and gut-related health issues. Dr. Pedre, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. It's great to be here. I'm excited to dive in and talk about the gut. So we're hearing so much about how important digestive health is and 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 sometimes people don't quite understand what the gut is is that digestion is gut something else and then they hear this term leaky gut so can you talk about what is a leaky gut how can we test for a leaky gut and why is it bad oh my goodness yeah and can you do that in five minutes? I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> all that. And, well, first of all, I mean, the gut is this this amazing organ system that is divided into different zones. And starting with, of course, the mouth. Everybody forgets that the mouth is part of their gut, and it's so important to chew and break down your food mechanically so that you can absorb the nutrients more easily. So digestion begins in the mouth, but then, you know, that travels through the esophagus to the stomach. And that's a very acidic zone where protein starts getting broken down. But when it leaves the stomach, the entire pH changes and it becomes alkaline as the, the, the uh, bile mixes in from the gallbladder, the liver, and uh, changes the pH of the the chime, that uh, mass of food that's now getting broken down. And when we talk about leaky gut, uh, we're mostly talking about what's happening in the small bowel, but also it can happen in the colon, and it becomes quite significant in the colon uh, because of the type of bacteria that exists there. So just to understand that these zones, they're very different in terms of how much of the microbiome exists. So the stomach has a much smaller microbiome 
Then we go to the small bowel, and we have anywhere from 10 to the third to 10 to the fourth, uh, what we call CFUs or microorganisms per milliliter. And when you get to the colon, that number jumps up to 10 to the 12th or 10 to the 13th. So you see the, the zones are quite different. And leaky gut has been a term that has been used in uh, naturopathic medicine and alternative medicine for a long time. But in Western medicine, really thought that this uh, was not real and that it was made up and it didn't exist until the science and research finally caught up. And we see and we discovered that there is a molecule, a signaling molecule called zonulin, that controls the tight junctions that are the connections between all the cells that line the intestine. And the intestine is quite unique because it's only one cell layer thick. And thus, it doesn't take a lot to allow things, you know, it's, it's a permeable membrane. So when we talk about leaky gut, it's the permeable membrane has become a little too permeable. I like to call it intestinal hyperpermeability because uh, I feel like leaky gut for some people, uh, you know, if your gut, honestly, if your gut was really leaky, you would probably die from sepsis. Uh, too many bacteria would get in. So we're talking about micro changes in permeability that have macro effects on our health. So this molecule, zonulin, controls the degree to which these tight junctions are interconnected. And so when zonulin goes up, the tight junctions start to loosen up. And what that means is now there's space in between the cells for molecules to pass through. And that's not the best way for things to get into the body because then you can get things like partially digested proteins. Uh, you can get yeast, uh, yeast toxins, you know, so metabolic byproducts from the microbiome can get through more easily. So the barrier is compromised. And significantly in the large intestine, you can get something called endotoxin. It sounds pretty bad. It's also called lipopolysaccharide. And it's from the outer cell wall of gram-negative bacteria that live in the colon. And as they die, they release this. And this is one of the most potent stimulators of the immune system. And a lot of studies have been looking at the effects of endotoxin on our health and what they find is that uh, as endotoxin levels rise, then the risk for metabolic syndrome, which is basically an intolerance to glucose or uh, resistance to the, the hormone insulin that tells the body where to put the glucose into the cell so it can be used for energy. So sugar levels start to rise, insulin levels start to rise, that leads to obesity, especially central obesity or visceral obesity, puts on more fat in the middle, and it becomes this vicious cycle. So basically, there's this whole interconnection uh, between leaky gut, inflammation, insulin resistance, and obesity. And once you start packing up fat in the middle, then that fat becomes metabolically active. That's like another endocrine organ. And especially the visceral fat really messes up, messes with the insulin signaling in the body. 
and uh, causes, it almost becomes like a feed-forward system because once you're there, it's just easy to, uh, for your body to continue to pack on more fat until the person does something to change their diet, uh, heal their gut lining, reduce inflammation in the body, and then they can start to reverse it. So I hope that, <laughs> did, did, did I get it under five minutes? <laughs> You're very close. <laughs> very close. And that, that's a difficult thing to do. But um, basically, in a very simplified way, endotoxin and lipopolysaccharide basically create inflammation and mm -hmm. an immune response. And then that can have a trickle-down effect in the body. And depending on where your weaknesses are, that weakness will start to get, um, it will, will start to morph and be, become more and more apparent. Yeah, and that could be, you know, weakness could be interpreted as uh, genetic polymorphisms or predispositions. So if your genetic code is predisposed to autoimmune thyroid disease, then this may be the beginning of when it starts to evolve uh, because now the immune system is on hyper alert. Uh, so I, I always liken it to like um, after 9-11 in the U.S., we used to have the, the terror ratings and it would be like uh, we're in yellow, orange, red. I remember so, that. I'm so, glad we, I'm so glad we don't have that anymore, but maybe we're just perpetually in no. red now. I don't know. <laughs> that could be it. Uh, but I, I liken it to that because it's basically if the, the gut gets inflamed, then and we know that 70% of the immune system is hanging out all along the gut lining. It sends signals throughout the body and puts the entire body on red alert. And so you have now this immune system that is hyperactive, and that's when autoimmune disease can take hold uh, in a body that is just your, your, your immune system becomes dysregulated. So this overarching concept that so many different diseases have their foundations in inflammation and immune system imbalance, and that having underlying gut issues can impact the body in multiple different ways. I think sometimes for listeners out there, it's hard to understand that it can be that simple, that the gut can impact so many different body systems, mm -hmm. and yet create, you know, a hundred different diseases, like just as an example. And that is, uh, you know, that, that goes back to genetic individuality, uh, predispositions, you know, so... And sometimes you get a lot of crossover, and it could also have to do with the type of imbalance that has been created. So, for example, if you get yeast overgrowth as a result of having been on either several rounds of antibiotics, or you can even create your own yeast overgrowth by eating a diet really high in sugar and refined uh, carbohydrates over a period of time, and you can slowly kind of... your your feeding that part of the microbiome and you can generate your own yeast imbalance. And yeast produces a lot of toxins. We call them mycotoxins. And these toxins can do a whole bunch of different things for people and it affects the brain. So it can cause uh, brain fog is what a lot of people report. 
but it can also affect your mitochondria. So those are your energy centers. Then people start to feel fatigued. I've had patients where yeast overgrowth causes symptoms that are confused as some sort of inflammatory arthritis where the joints are becoming inflamed. And just think about how many people are being put on biologicals, on uh, medications, anti-inflammatories to treat the symptom as a Band-Aid, but they're not looking at the underlying root cause. And what I've found over time is that not every patient that has some sort of systemic manifestation of a gut issue is coming in complaining of gut problems. And a lot of times, uh, I'm just as I say this, I'm thinking about a patient who came in and she had some of the autoimmune markers, the anti-nuclear antibody, some other ones, and she had inflammatory arthritis. It was not rheumatoid factor positive. She had no gut complaints whatsoever. Her digestion, she said, was perfect. And yet when I looked at her stool, she had tremendous yeast overgrowth. And when we treated her yeast overgrowth, her joint pains disappeared and everything normalized. So, you know, just by working on the diet. And that's, that to me is an, a really dramatic example because a lot of people will say, well, I don't have any gut issues, so how could I have a gut-related problem? Well, not everyone is sensitized in that way to sense what is happening in their gut. Some people are hypersensitive and some people are less sensitive. And it, it's just... Uh, we see it over and over that the, the common connection, even if downstream we see a lot of different manifestations, but the commonality is the gut and our gut really in our modern world is under attack or the health of our microbiome, the health of our gut lining is under constant attack from antibiotics, from pesticides, from glyphosate, uh, all these things compromise the integrity of the gut lining. So one of the things that you mentioned was um, a stool test. And in my practice, I, I quite often do stool testing on patients to try and assess their level of health in their colon. So move, so kind of going back, you mentioned zonulin and endotoxin and lip, lipopolysaccharide, and those are kind of the hallmarks of a leaky gut or mm-hmm. medical terminology intestinal hyperpermeability yes <laughs> so um when patients come in to see you do you actually test for leaky gut or do you oftentimes assume they probably have a leaky gut there's so many ways to to think about it and but i have to say that that as i've been doing functional medicine now for over a decade and I'm sure you probably feel this too, is that a lot of times the history, a very careful, detailed history, gives you 90% of what you need to know to treat the patient. And the testing is just kind of, you know, you already know what direction you're going kind of maybe with a degree, 10 degree of uncertainty. And the testing helps kind of steer the ship a bit. But I also find that uh, I'm constantly going back to the patient. I think the patient's story and what their experience is, 
is so important because sometimes it's discordant with the test results. And then you have to decide, well, which, who do I trust more, the test or the patient? And it's a constant, I feel like it's a balance and that's where medicine is an art and it requires a, a bit of creativity and instinct. Uh, I'm basically saying that the testing to me is a guide, but you can't, you can't be a test-heavy practitioner that does not uh, give credit to the patient's story. I see so many patients who go see doctors and they have a series of symptoms that all fit into one thing, but then they have this outline symptom. And what the doctor does is the doctor completely negates the outlier because it doesn't fit into the paradigm and goes by what they, they know and they believe. And yet a lot of times that outlier symptom is a clue, it's a hint to something that's going on that perhaps doesn't fit into the paradigm. And, and I say that because I, 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 I treat tests as guides, but I find that ultimately um, you really have to have a holistic uh, view of the patient and the testing is one piece or one window into the body, but these windows are not complete view windows. You know, I think that there's no one perfect stool test. They all give you different perspectives. Uh, but you're building a puzzle by putting all of this information together. And I'm, I, I also have really gotten into doing organic acids testing because uh, I find that that, all, that helps fill in a piece of that puzzle that sometimes can be missed in the stool test. So for this one patient I mentioned, I was lucky to find yeast cultured in the stool test, but many times yeast could be missed on a stool test and it could be present and you can detect it through the metabolites in the urine. So you really have to have a, a holistic um, approach to a patient with gut issues and, and really listen to them and acknowledge their story because I think that that part of it that's that to me is one of the biggest pieces is is really understanding how the symptoms evolved and what is it that led you know how did they get to that point where they're in front of you uh, in your office telling you this story go back in time and look at well how did all of this start you know what was happening in your life at the time, you know, was there travel? Was there foreign travel? You know, you have to think parasites and all sorts of things. So I hope that that kind of answers your question. I don't, oh yeah, yeah on how you, definitely. I don't know how you use tests, but that's that's how I feel about testing. Is it's it's helping me look. It's giving me uh, points of light in the dark, uh, but I don't hang my hat completely on the testing. I always make sure that I'm looking at the patient and the patient is the number one for me. I definitely agree with everything that you mentioned there. So let's switch gears and let's talk about the mind-gut connection. Can you tell our mm. listeners about that? Because that's just fascinating. Oh my gosh, there are so many levels to this and, and I feel like I just keep learning more and more. I mean, we can start with the vagus nerve that runs uh, from 
the brain all the way down and innervates, uh, starting from the bottom third of the esophagus, pretty much all the internal organs and the gut all the way almost to the very end. And the vagus controls a lot of the signaling in the gut. So if you have vagus nerve dysfunction, uh, which can happen from being stressed, for example, who's stressed these days, then you don't secrete your digestive enzymes properly and you're, you're not going to secrete enough stomach acid. Uh, so you're not going to be able to digest protein properly and, and your peristalsis is going to be off. So that, that in itself is a, is a really big connection there between the brain and the gut. You really need a good vagal tone uh, to have healthy gut digestion and what's really fascinating about this is what they've seen in, in patients with uh, traumatic brain injury. So in a patient with traumatic brain injury, within 30 minutes of the injury, their gut is becoming leaky and uh, endotoxemia starts to go up. So really fascinating. You think that the gut is just kind of independent from the brain and that you have a brain injury and suddenly you get leaky gut within... A couple of minutes. And I thought when I heard that, I, I was just blown away that, wow, like there is this really important control coming upstream from the brain. And yet, in the other direction, the gut is communicating with the brain. And I think the, some of the most fascinating stuff is the metabolome and the fact that we get neurotransmitters that are produced by the gut microbiome, like lactobacillus produces GABA, so you need a healthy amount of, of lactobacillus bacteria in the gut to control anxiety, uh, to feel even keel. And to me, one of the more fascinating ones is uh, uh, these metabolic byproducts we call short-chain fatty acids, and particularly butyrate. Uh, because butyrate has so many wide-ranging effects in the body, but it can cross the blood-brain barrier. And in the brain, it is a, oh, I might say this wrong. Um, I know it interacts with histone acetylase, which controls gene expression. And by doing that, it opens up the coding of the part of the genes in the brain cells that code for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So butyrate from butyrate-producing microorganisms in the large intestine controls our ability or influences our ability to form memory and to learn through brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And I thought that is really amazing that there is this, this symbiosis where a healthy gut microbiome influences neuroplasticity and our ability to learn and form memory. Uh, so those are, those are some, I think, the very important ways that, that they're both interconnected. And yet another thing that we learn is that once you get a leaky gut, and the gut, just think it's our biggest inside-outside world is what I call it, because everything you eat passes through your gut, and you're bringing in stuff from the outside world and passing it through your body. Once you get a leaky gut, it affects the permeability of the blood-brain barrier, so you get a leaky blood-brain barrier, and now the brain is not protected from toxins that could be in circulation from the leaky gut. And thus why a patient with yeast overgrowth and leaky gut 
spilling in uh, yeast toxins into the body is going to have brain fog and fatigue uh, because those toxins are getting into the brain. They're crossing the blood-brain barrier. So that was a beautiful explanation and, and bringing that full circle about the the gut and the brain and the brain and the gut and how they, they talk to each other and can have such wide-reaching effects in the body. I just had a couple of patients within, a couple of new patients within the last week who when, as you said, a lot of what we learn from patients we just get from a really good history. Just really sitting down and getting the fine details out of the history and and basically they've never been well since having a concussion. And I sat down and explained to them within hours after a concussion your gut starts to get leaky. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't necessarily just all fix itself all on its own. And those chemicals leaking out of your gut, those endotoxins and lipopolysaccharides can impact the brain chemistry. And you might not have a physical concussion, but the chemistry of it just keeps going. And that inflammation keeps going. And that, well, that's what I thought with those couple of patients that you can work on the brain all you want, but you also need to bring in that component of we got to fix the gut and that leaky blood brain barrier too. And and the and the vagal nerve dysfunction that follows the brain injury. So through exercises to stimulate the the vagus nerve. So, what are your favorite exercises to stimulate the vagus nerve? Well, a couple of them. I mean, I think the the one that I think makes people chuckle is singing, but singing raising the palate almost like operatic style. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to do that, but it always makes them smile. Uh, I tell them, well, you could do it in the shower or, you know. Do it in the car. (laughs) (laughs) But not if you're carpooling. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But you can also gargle. And what you want to do is, and you could actually, you could gargle with water or you could gargle and add uh, digestive bitters into the water. And that can help. Uh, But you gargle until you get a tear in the eye. And and what that means is the tear in the eye means the lacrimal, uh, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's, uh, I'm I'm not a neurologist, so forgive me (laughs) for not getting the terms right. Uh, But once, uh, if you get a tear in the eye, that means that you've lit up a brain pathway that is above the vagus. And that guarantees, because there's no way for you to know that you've fired the vagus nerve, but if you shed a tear in the eye from the gargling, which maybe takes about 30 seconds up to a minute, then you know that you've the vagus nerve fired because the the nucleus, the the pathway above the vagus fired to um, trigger a tear in the eye. And this one, the last one I'm going to say is one that I don't think anyone wants to do to themselves and take a tongue depressor and gag yourself. And a lot of times that will instantly get a tear in the eye so you know that it's lit up the pathway. Those are, those are some of the ways. I know I have a, I have a functional, uh, a functional uh, chiropractor, uh, neurochiropractor that has 
some sort of stim machine that can get the vagus nerve to fire and sense when it does. Uh, I don't know a lot about that, but uh, I think that's fascinating. So there's many pathways to doing it, but I mean, uh, the poor man's pathway is just uh, gargle. You can do that easily at home. And the vagus, one thing uh, that vagus nerve dysfunction can also cause is constipation. So getting the vagus to work properly again uh, is really important uh, for so many things, protein, digestion, constipation, gut barrier, integrity, all that stuff. So it's one of those simple things that oftentimes I think gets forgotten about that patients can take all the digestive enzymes and bitters and hydrochloric acid and probiotics and uh, like they can do all of that stuff and the fiber and the healthy diet but we can't forget about exercising the vagus nerve and as you said it can be as simple as gargling gargling until you get a tear in your eye and do that minimum twice a day after you wake up before you go to bed more if better And the other thing I would add to that, and I call it the elephant in the room when it comes to all sorts of gut issues, Uh, and it's because we live in this world now, as we we were talking a little bit before, and I know you're in Canada and I'm in the U.S., and it does feel like we're on red alert, especially now, and um, we're living in this sympathetic overdrive. Uh, We are... are, We've been constantly in fight or flight in a way that I think we're desensitized to the fact that our bodies are overcharged and in so many ways, uh, smartphones, constantly on the computer, we're on this very on, on, on all the time. And I think what I find is that people become desensitized to stress and they, they they, they don't even acknowledge it. And sometimes I actually have to tell a patient do you realize how much you're carrying and how full your plate is? And that's stressful. And whether you sense it as a mental stress, I think it's a biophysical stress on the body to carry all of that. So I think a very important part of treating gut issues is like you just said it's not just about digestive enzymes about taking digestive bitters it's about taking l-glutamine probiotics it's really establishing more of a parasympathetic balance in the body and i feel like that's something that we've uh, significantly lost in our modern society so i teach my patients uh, to do diaphragmatic breathing uh, which is such a great way to to activate the the parasympathetic nervous system, and just even meditation, uh, but other things. You know, I'm always trying to find what is it that 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 inspires them, that something that they like to do. I love getting people out into nature because when you're out in a forest or a park, surrounded by trees, that has been shown to lower cortisol levels and helps get you more into a parasympathetic state, taking the shoes off and walking barefoot on the grass, like feeling the earth, like grounding to the tremendous magnetic energy field of the earth uh, can really help us get more into a parasympathetic state. For me, my personal preference and what 
gets me there in like two seconds is going to the beach and taking my shoes off and just walking on the sand and hearing the ocean waves crash on the seashore. So it's really about having, you know, it's not just about what you eat, about what supplements you can take. You know, that part of it can become very stressful. People can get very orthorexic, like I can eat this, but I can't eat that. And and you have to remind them that within that, you've got to relax. You've got to create this, this sense of okayness in your body. And that is only accessed through stress management and doing things that increase uh, parasympathetic. And that's, you know, and that's connecting us back to the vagus nerve and the importance of that part of the nervous system, uh, allowing it to be in control because it shuts off very quickly when you go into sympathetic overdrive. And being high in catecholamines also increases intestinal permeability. You know, so I was talking about all the things that are attacking our gut. The other big thing is stress and our our constant uh, overdrive, our sympathetic overdrive, that itself causes a leaky gut. So you can give somebody all the enzymes, all the probiotics you want, and if you're not going into the psycho-spiritual aspect of their healing process and how they live their lives, then you're always going to hit a wall. Uh, you're never going to get beyond a certain point until you really get the person to realize that that is just as important part of the treatment plan as how you eat. That was very well said. I'm glad you went into that. I'm a big believer because I I have a background and I had uh, at one point uh, studied to be a yoga teacher and uh, really... Um, at a point in my life that I was in a crossroads and feeling uh, really stressed about the future and I couldn't sleep well. I was waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, that early morning awakening when you're just worried about your life and where your life is going. I had just finished my, my residency training in Western medicine and I was just really disappointed in what I had become or what I thought, you know, the, the discord between what medicine really was and what I thought I really wanted to be. And at that point, I, I dove into a yoga teacher training. And as part of it, uh, part of the discipline was meditating almost uh, every day or every other day. And within a month of doing that, and I also went and uh, really changed my diet and started eating more organic, cooking at home more, not, not eating out, uh, cutting out uh, fast food or pizza. I mean, I was in my... Uh, I was like in my late 20s at the time. And um, within a month, I was sleeping well again, and I was more relaxed. So I really do believe that there's this incredible power in accessing that, that part. And the reason I connect to yoga is because uh, in yoga, we study the energy centers in the body, the chakras. And three of the main chakras in the body crisscross the gut, the, the ground, the root chakra, the second chakra, and the third chakra, which is the power center, the, the solar plexus. So the gut encompasses um, some major energy centers, and it's all about grounding and being connected 
to this earth, uh, to each other, being in community. So I think that's a really important aspect to address with every patient that um, has leaky gut or has gut issues is uh, making sure that they're instituting balance in their lives as well. So we just have a couple minutes left. Is there anything else that you want to mention to our listeners today that you think is important for them to understand? Um, wow, I feel like we've... Uh, we've just scratched the surface just barely. I feel like we've said, uh, you know, but we, I feel like we've really covered a wide range of, of topics I mean, I think for listeners, um, I think the, the big takeaway is that regardless of whether you have gut symptoms, uh, if you're having systemic issues, and they could be migraines, it could be asthma, they could be allergies, it could be hives, it could be eczema, uh, it could be the beginnings of a neurological disease, Parkinson's, uh, MS, you cannot discount the connection to gut health. And so seek out a practitioner that understands this and can work with you as a partner in figuring out what the underlying root causes are. I think that is the, I think that's the key. And I think that's the, I think that's the very important shift that has to happen in our medical system. And I'm not saying that Western medicine is bad. It's done many things and it can rescue you in an emergency. And sometimes medication, even antibiotics, can save a life if you have a really bad infection. Uh, but the, where I look at things is the importance of how we can uh, cross, cross the, the divide and see how we can integrate everything together but always going back to root cause. So I think that that, that to me is a, a really important message is to not discount the role of the gut, even if you don't have any gut issues. How can our listeners find out more about you and where can they grab a copy of your book? Oh, my, my book is available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. So the main uh, online retailers, it's called Happy Gut. And it's basically a 28-day program to heal the gut uh, using something that I call my gut care program, uh, which is an acronym for cleanse, activate, restore, and enhance. And it's basically the system that uh, I came up with after years of suffering myself from irritable bowel and then working with patients with gut issues uh, for many years. And I wanted to just kind of put a whole, whole system down. And 28 days because... Uh, you really need four weeks to start to get to the root of the problem and to um, reduce that inflammation, that leaky gut, the reduce the endotoxemia. So they can find my book uh, online. You can download it on Kindle. You can order it as a paperback. Uh, the way they can find out more about me, they can go to happygutlife.com. And that has a lot of information about... Uh, Happy Gut, I have a blog there. I also post recipes regularly, um, and they're all uh, gut-friendly recipes. We do all sorts of things from uh, somewhat, I'll put in quotation marks, desserts, because I don't do a lot of sugar, but we try to kind of come up with healthy alternatives for people, but also other healthy recipes from salads to entrees. 
And, uh, I mean, they can find me on social media, on Facebook, uh, Dr. Vincent Pedre, and Instagram, which is kind of like my own little passion uh, project where I try to post a lot of inspirations, and that's under Dr. Pedre, D.R. Pedre. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to find me, and uh, uh, I do have a free gift I wanted to mention if uh, people go to Happy Gut Life dot com forward slash gift uh, I have a special gift there for them uh, that's um, basically a kickstart to a happy gut so for all the listeners out there I'll make sure that all of those resources with the links are in the podcast notes so that you can easily find Dr. Pedre's book his website all of his good stuff including his free gift Dr. Pedre thank you so much for being my special guest today this has been an awesome interview Thank you. It's been my pleasure. It was, uh, it was so much fun. All right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Vincent Pedre. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.